You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. This is ESPN Radio's Barton Hahn Podcast. If the cops didn't come to my house yesterday, I'm pretty sure I can get away with anything because I was yelling like a maniac. Oh, my God. What a way to watch my beloved Raiders win. We'll get into that, but we got other things that are more important to talk about. First, of course, it's Barton Hahn on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, presented by Progressive Insurance. But we're giving you a little sneak peek because it's actually, for the next couple of days, going to be Fitz and Douglas. I'm Jason Fitz. I'll be hanging out with Harry Douglas. Uh, we're getting Harry connected. Some connect. You know what? We're just peeking behind the curtain. Got in a little bit of technical difficulties. Harry will join us in just a minute, uh, and we, were gonna be, we are going to be in this spot starting January 3rd, every single day for you from noon to 3 p.m. Eastern across the ESPN radio platform. Uh, You can also watch us in the ESPN app. In the meantime, we'll get to my beloved Raiders. And for any of you watching, I'm wearing a Raiders hoodie. I'm not going to lie. There were a lot of choices that went down. I mean, probably 10 different. I thought about Victory Monday shirt. I thought about the starter jacket. I thought about the hoodie. Uh, I I ended up squarely on a Vegas celebratory hoodie, especially being in Bristol, Connecticut, where I can rub it into all of my Patriots friends. But the big story to start the day actually isn't my beloved Raiders. It's the Giants. The Giants get a huge win. And when we talk about huge, let's talk about playoff stats, right? Because we covered this on Spain and Fitz and on ESPN Radio at night over the last couple of weeks. The numbers going in to the matchup between the Giants and the Commanders were staggering. The winner rises, according to our playoff predictor, to about an 80% chance of making the playoffs. The loser drops all the way down to around 30%. So the question was, for teams that just faced each other, how would it end, and could we avoid another tie? Well, we did, but barely. And it wasn't without controversy. This weekend wasn't without controversy, right? feels like officiating was a big conversation that we'll get into a lot over the next couple of hours. But really, it comes down to the very end of the game. And as we get to the end of the game, everybody saw it. There was an illegal formation penalty that negated a touchdown that would have put the Washington Commanders in a situation where they could have tied it. Then there was a controversial no call on what looked like it could have been pass interference. I mean, all over the place in the last couple of the minutes. And the Giants... Get a huge win. Now this makes everything even crazier for everybody involved. First and foremost, I want you to hear what some of the people actually involved had to say about it. Ron Rivera was asked, of course, afterwards about the uh, controversial calls, and this is what he said. The call on Terry, Terry seemed pretty adamant he had pointed his hand out to the ref. What what was the explanation? What did you guys see on on the film? Looked like Terry pointed his hand to the ref. That's exactly what I thought, too. Thank you. And I got to ask about the Curtis one as well. Um, The fourth down. Yeah, I mean, again, in fact, don't ask me about the refereeing because I can't answer the question. I want to live in a new world. I want to live in a world where NFL coaches can say anything they want without being fined. I want to live in a world like we we talk about these post-game press conferences and how prickly the coaches are. Imagine if coaches could say whatever they want about anybody involved in the game and not face a single fine. What would Ron Rivera had said in that moment? Because he's hamstrung. Like, look, I'm cheap. Y'all know that. 
I'm cheap as we get into the holidays. I'm one of those guys that like likes to, to shop months in advance. I like to make sure that I've got my whole uh, group of, of, of presents bought. Like when I was a little kid, uh, my the rule was the letter to Santa had to be done by October. Because my mom, you know, wanted to make sure that we got ahead of everything with Santa Claus, right? So, like, I'm cheap. I want to find a bargain. So, if I knew that I was going to be fined, I wouldn't say anything about the bosses either. I wouldn't say anything about my coworkers. Wouldn't say anything about anything. Because if it cost me money, mm-mm. I would love to know what Ron Rivera would have said in that moment if he could have said anything and it wouldn't have cost him a dime. That being said, there's an important note here. He never comes down to that one play. It really doesn't. You guys know I'm a Raiders fan. We started there, and if you've ever consumed me on ESPN, you know I wear my fandom on my sleep. Some controversial calls in that game, too, we'll get to. But the fact is, as much as I lament the tuck rule every year, uh, the tuck rule isn't what cost the Raiders the game. The inability to get a stop uh, late in the game is what cost them the game. It's never any one play. The Giants went out, and frankly, the Giants haven't been able to generate anything offensively. And when they needed to drive desperately, starting deep in their own territory, what happened? They ran the football incredibly well. Washington couldn't do anything about that. You want to talk about what lost Washington the game? How about knowing that Saquon's about to be handed the ball and having it happen anyway? He got over half of his yards for the game in one drive at the end of the football game. You got to think about all of these different processes. And I know that we see this one play at the end and we want to make it about that, but it's not just about that. Terry McLaurin, commander's wide receiver, also friend of 7 and 9 p.m. Eastern. We have him on all the time. Uh, this is what he had to say about the call. I checked to see if I was good the first time and he was like, I move up a little bit. So when I moved up, I checked to see if I was good and he said I was good. So, but Terry, he told, did you hear him tell you that you were okay? Yeah. I did. Like, that's why I'm giving him a thumbs up twice to make sure I was, I was good. Now, a lot of people might be confused. So I'm going to be a rules weenie for a second. I'll push my glasses on and say, okay, so let me explain this to you. And Harry Douglas, the great wide receiver, is going to join us in just a little bit. It is Fitz and Douglas in Barton Hans spot. Uh, right now, hanging out with you. Uh, we're presented by Progressive Insurance. You can hit us up on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed at Jason Fitz at HDouglas83. So illegal formation, what does it mean? You have to have seven guys on the line of scrimmage, right? Why do you have to have that? Well, way back in the day, uh, there were opportunities for offensive linemen to just go willy-nilly and start running out and catching passes. So uh, way back in the day, they did some rule changes to try and make it better identifiable on who's going out in a route and who's not and how many people have to be on the line of scrimmage. So seven people have to be on the line of scrimmage. What does that mean? That means if one of your tackles, when you're looking at your offensive line, is lined up off the line of scrimmage, their feet are off the line, that your receivers have to have a foot on the line of scrimmage, which is why when you're watching your favorite team, a lot of times you'll see a wide receiver take a little step up. Like he'll take a little nudge up, he'll look over at the ref, he'll give the ref a hand signal, and what he's doing to the ref is he's saying, hey, are we legal? So this happens every Sunday, and now that you've heard about it, if you aren't familiar with it, you're going to see it all the time. Like, now that you've heard about it, you're going to realize that this is so commonplace. In fact, if you're watching your favorite team play, a lot of times when they're, when they're too wide, they got a wide receiver on the left and wide receiver on the right, you'll see one adjusts when they look at the other. It's like, okay, i got to be the guy that's up on the line of scrimmage. So it is common procedure for that outside receiver particularly to check in with the official and make sure, hey, am I lined up in the right spot? And the official usually gives them a nod. In fact... Gerard Cherry last night on ESPN Radio was talking about the fact that officials will even nudge all the way back to Pop Warner. Officials, officials will be like, hey, got to get up on the line. They help receivers remember this. So what Terry McLaurin is telling you is that he believes an official told him, you're good, 
And then that same official threw an illegal formation penalty. Now, if that is the case, that is one of the worst blown calls you could possibly imagine. I mean, we saw a lot of blown calls over the weekend. We saw a lot of blown calls. But if an official actually looked at a wide receiver and said, hey, we're good now. Also, we'll get an answer on this. We may not get an answer on this, but the NFL will. Because, man, those mic'd up, that, like our favorite thing to watch, right, mic'd up. If you've ever stood on the sideline of an NFL game, you see those huge satellite dishes that guys are holding around. Those are catching audio. So when you hear the great pop, the great tackles, you hear the great snap of a helmet hitting the pads, right? That's because you got a guy on the sideline standing there with a huge disc, and that disc could catch you farting on the sideline, right? There ain't no two ways about it. Like, that disc will catch everything. So if the NFL wants to know, they'll be able to find out if an official actually said, you're good. There's also like a million cameras. So the NFL will be able to look at it and say, hey, did he give him a thumbs up? Did he give him a thumbs up? The NFL will be able to figure all of this out. If that official did that, man, man, there will be a punishment. There's one thing we forget. Like, the easiest thing to say is that officials suck. Now, they don't. They get 90-something percent of their calls right. All right, officials go out every game setting out to do their absolute best. And, and I've talked to former officials repeatedly in, in my life, and it's amazing how many of them remember the calls they blew. Like, they take this very personally and very seriously. It is their job. Also, an official is not going out there intentionally trying to screw up. That's how they feed their family. Imagine sitting down with your family and being like, well, I just cost us my job because I blew a call in the Giants-Washington Commanders game. That's not real. Like, officials aren't out there trying to do a poor job. So, what you've got is possibly an official that now would lose out on the opportunity to make extra money in the playoffs. They'd lose opportunity to make extra money in the Super Bowl. All of these ways that officials can can rise, right? Like, they'll lose all of that because of this controversy if, in fact, that's what they did. So, while that becomes the thing we'll focus on, I want to remind you, you know, A, uh, the, every single time you watch a game, you got somebody that misses a gap. You got a wide receiver that drops a ball. You got a quarterback that throws an interception. You have great coaches that make stupid decisions on the sideline. And sometimes officials screw up. And when that official screws up, the easiest thing to do is look at it like it's some weird bias, like the league's against your team, like officials are trash. None of that is true. The NFL will get to the bottom of it. The question is will they be transparent to us in that process? All right, you're listening to Barton Hahn on ESPN Radio. I'm Jason Fitz. We're working on Harry Douglas. Harry Douglas is going to join us in a little bit. Uh, Fitz and Douglas starts January 3rd, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. You can be a part of Barton Hahn Nation on the Dr. Pepper call-in line. Call me, 888-SAY-ESPN. Call us. Harry will be here. 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. I promise you I will get wide receiver one's thoughts on what happened to a wide receiver in that game. ESPN Nation is presented by Dr. Pepper. It ain't college football season without the delicious taste of an ice-cold Dr. Pepper. The one fans deserve. I can finally be non-professional now. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at Shopify.com/slash network. All lowercase. Go to Shopify.com/slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, 
Shopify.com slash network. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. I'd like to commend my professionalism. If you had 11 minutes as the over-under for how long it would take me to get to the Raiders, shame on you, because I'm surprised it took me 11 minutes. Good Lord! If the cops didn't come, they never will. Like, I now know that I can do anything in my house. Because I have never yelled like a, I don't know, adolescent girl at a boy band concert louder than I yelled as I watched my beloved Raiders get the most improbable win I have ever seen. And let me be clear, I have suffered through the weirdest endings in the last, I don't know, 40 years of fandoms. I have suffered through the worst endings you could ever possibly imagine over and over and over again. And I'm telling you, I have never seen anything wilder. I have never seen anything crazier. I have never seen anything more. What the hell just happened than I saw yesterday when my beloved Raiders took down the Patriots, essentially ending their playoff chances, at least in my mind, and keeping my own tiny playoff hopes alive. I would love to be professional here. I would love to, but I can't. Because this is what we see. The Raiders scored right before the half. They go up by 14 at the half. And I speak for all Raiders fans when I tell you the Raiders this year, two and four going into this game in games where they've been up by 13 or more, right? They've won 33% of their games in that situation. The rest of the league has won 85. The 85% versus 33. The minute the Raiders went up by two touchdowns at the half, I was doomed. I knew everything was over. And then what do you see? A pick six. You see a pick six, and all of a sudden you're saying, okay, this is not going to go the right way. And then a great drive, just a beautiful drive by Mac Jones. All of a sudden they're running the football incredibly well. The Patriots score 21 points straight out of the break. The Raiders all of a sudden are trailing, and what do you do? What do you do? I'm just watching it all fall apart. And as I'm watching it all fall apart, and I'm sitting here saying, what in the hell is happening? All of a sudden... I get incredible chaos. It started It started with the touchdown uh, by the Raiders. Uh, very controversial. We'll get to that in a moment. It started with the touchdown by the Raiders, and then the Patriots get the ball back. And for some reason, the Patriots decided that they were going to do wild and crazy things. And this is how the end of the game sounded on Raider Nation Radio. Mac Jones hands it off on a draw to Ramondre Stevenson. Breaks out of a tackle at the 50. Has the 45. Breaks away from another tackle. Pitches it backwards. And now Jacoby Myers spinning around. He throws it to Chandler Jones in midfield. Stefford. Chandler Jones racing towards the end zone. He scores. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Raider Nation, 9.20 a.m. on the call, and I say that aggressively because God did that feel good. I'm telling you, they did all of the little tricks you usually see at the end of a game when you're behind, when you're desperate, when you know you you got no shot but this. That's what they did at the end of a game that was about to go to overtime, and it went wildly wrong. Chandler Jones, the former Patriot, picks the ball out of the air. He takes Mac Jones and buries him six feet into the ground while he then runs the end of the last 50 yards into the end zone for the walk-off win for the Raiders. 
Oh, God, it feels good. You can hear the energy in his voice. Because I'm a glutton for punishment and because there's no such thing as a tuck, it was a fumble. Let's go ahead and hear what 98.5 The Sports Hub sounded like. I think it might be a little different. And Jacoby Myers picks it up. He circles back and he throws it across the field. Oh, my God. It's picked up by Chandler Jones. He breaks away to the 30. He runs to the 20. He runs to the 10. He runs to the end zone. Unreal. This might be one of the dumbest teams I've ever seen. Everything that is wrong with the New England Patriots is squarely Bill Belichick's fault. Think about this. He's the one that decided to make Matt Patricia his play caller, which has stunted the development of his own quarterback in Mac Jones. That is his fault. He's the one that decided to put coordinators in positions that, frankly, they're not ready for while he's trying to find a way to compete in a division with a a team that may not be talented enough. But guess what? Who's responsible for the talent in New England? Bill. So now you got the guy that's in charge of the bodies in the locker room. You got the guy picking the coordinators. You got the guy stunting the development of his quarterback. You got that guy with an undisciplined football team. At some point, what you did with Tom Brady is part of your legacy, but it doesn't have to be part of the conversation today. Today, the Patriots are a poorly coached team. Today, the Patriots don't have people in positions to develop talent, and they are undisciplined. Today, everybody in that locker room has got to look in the mirror and realize that their playoff hopes may have died in Las Vegas in a game where they lost to a Raiders team that this year has blown lead after lead. They lost to a Raiders game that late in the game had 14 penalties already, eight on the offensive side of the ball that were unforced. They lost to an undisciplined Raiders team. How? That's not what Bill does. That's not who Bill is. Or is it? That's not who Bill was. That's not what Bill did. But that's what the Patriots do right now. This is what Coach had to say afterwards about the play and the decision-making. The first thing I said after the game yesterday is we have to play better situational football, playing coach better situational football. I've never coached in a game where you weren't coaching, um, making corrections and mistakes after the game on all levels, playing, coaching, everything, decision-making, overall strategy, everything. That's that's a part of every, every game, every review. Uh, obviously, we, we don't want the result that we had on that play, so just leave it at that. Why are you handing the ball off? That's a part that nobody can explain to me because when you're talking, there's three seconds left on the clock for context here. There's three seconds left on the clock. You're, you're, you're about midfield. You have no timeouts left. You cannot stop the clock no matter what happens. You got three seconds left. Now, if you're handing the ball off, you're not likely to run a draw play up the middle to suddenly go 50 yards downfield and score a winning touchdown. Maybe, maybe that's your, that's your reward. You got a tiny, tiny, tiny chance for that, right? That's your reward. What's your risk? A fumble. Your risk is exactly what we saw. And then the fact that it wasn't lateraled once. It, uh, no, it was not lateraled once. The ball was lateraled twice by two star players. So two of your best offensive players made boneheaded decisions. You want to tell me that wasn't coached? Somebody want to explain to me how that couldn't have been the play call? Why are you handing off if you're not trying to be, be cute? And in a game where you had all the momentum... At that point, the Patriots were running the football down the Raiders' throats and the defense had no answer. So what do you do? You throw it away. 
And when you throw it away, it's funny because we always hear about accountability. Belichick and the Patriots have been known forever for the quizzes that they make the players take about situational football, for the environment of fear that's created around making mistakes. That's what Belichick and the Patriots were known for for a generation. That's not what they're known for today. Because yet again, a Patriots team, they gave up a blocked punt in this game. A Patriots team has that gaffe at the end of the game. A Patriots team that had blown assignments in this game. The Patriots have taken a massive step backwards. I mean massive. And in the process of taking a massive step backwards, instead of spending all this time talking about what it means for the legacy of Bill Belichick, maybe we should be talking about what it means for the right now of Bill Belichick. Because right now, Bill Belichick, his players, and his staff are not doing a good enough job. And all of that lies squarely at the feet of the Hall of Fame, possibly greatest ever coach we've seen in NFL history. It's not good enough, Bill. And if the Patriots miss the playoffs, it'll only be Bill Belichick's fault. It's Barton Hahn on ESPN Radio. I know we got a lot to get into. It was a wild weekend. Harry Douglas is going to join me. I'm Jason Fitz hanging out with you. We're going to get Harry looped in on this. Plus, is it time to panic in Dallas? We'll answer that question next. Barton Hahn, Fitz and Douglas, ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Tired of ads interrupting your favorite sports podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music, included with your Prime membership. Amazon Music offers the most ad-free top podcasts. Enjoy shows like First Take, Pardon the Interruption, and The Low Post, available ad-free and uninterrupted. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or go to Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods. That's Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue, and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Bart and Han. I'm not going to lie, I just watched an actual professional work and it was pretty inspiring. I'm just saying, I'm hanging out with Harry Douglas, I'm Jason Fitz, we're in on Bart and Han on ESPN Radio, sneak behind the curtain here. Fitz and uh, Harry starts January 3rd. In this very time slot, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. And, of course, you can watch us. But Harry, uh, Harry's with us now. Harry, we're having some technical difficulties. But, my friend, you know, Christine Lisi, the Sports Center anchor, comes in and she does the Sports Center read live next to me. And I just realized that, A, I can't read. B, I don't know what I'm doing. And C, how does she do it perfectly? So, uh, you know what, Christine, I'm going to be in this studio every day. Uh, I'm going to have to, like, class this thing up. Maybe maybe Christine can teach me how to read. Christine, thank you. I just I'm taking us off the rails. You are a delight. You are excellent at what you do, and and so is Harry. So I'm excited to work with both of you guys. Look at this. I, we're, we're on cloud nine. Uh, thanks, Christine. I, I, I didn't tell Christine. her I was going to do that. I know, right? I didn't even throw that at her. I just was sitting here realizing as she laid up her, like, because you got to time these things, right? And so I always in my mind thought that they were like, for me, I feel like I'm like, oh my God, I got this. Right, right, right. And no, I'm just watching her. She smoothly finishes it. And it's like, okay, that's how professionals work. Christine's the best. He's Harry Douglas. I'm Jason Fitz. Uh, look, Harry, 
uh, we haven't had the chance to to talk yet together today. We'll get into why uh, I, I I need your insight on the wide receiver issue from yesterday. But I I got to start with the Cowboys. All right, I I I think this whole panic concept around Dallas is absolutely wrong. There is no need to panic in Dallas. There's no need to panic about what happened yesterday. I heard Greeny this morning saying that the season's over and they blew it. No, yesterday's loss to the Jags had. Zero consequence for Dallas. None. They were locked into the playoff spot they were going to get unless the Eagles absolutely imploded and they won out, which I don't think was realistic. That's like saying, like, maybe I can dunk a ball. No, I can't. That wasn't going to happen, Harry. So they were locked in where they were. Like, the Jags game is, is just, a, it's a it's a pimple on the butt of this Would whole season. It this doesn't nonsense? matter. Would you stop it doesn't this matter. No, the loss yesterday for the Dallas Cowboys had major implications. Oh, come on, major. When you look at the NFC East, the Dallas Cowboys, if they would have won that game yesterday, they still would have had three losses right you have three losses the Philadelphia Eagles have one loss if they would have beat the well if they would to beat the Philadelphia Eagles this coming uh, Saturday on Christmas Eve right that would give the Philadelphia Eagles two losses and just hypothetically say the Cowboys went through and won the rest of their games and the Eagles lost another game now you have to go to the tiebreaker scenarios and then the Dallas Cowboys would have had an opportunity to win the NFC East so yes that loss yesterday but by that logic Harry like by that logic okay well if the Raiders go out and they win every game the rest of the season, including the 49ers and the Chiefs, oh, and like Lord. four other teams lose, then the Raiders go into the playoffs. Does that mean there's a real chance? Like, the, the Eagles weren't yeah, going to But, but here's, here's the only issue about you bringing in the Raiders. We've seen the Raiders, uh, you know, botch a lot of wins, botch a lot of leads, just why not play great football. So why would you even put the Raiders into that equation? I, I'm just saying I don't that, equate the Raiders and the Cowboys in the same sentence. I'm just, I'm just sorry. Mm, I'm just saying ifs. Like ifs. Does it? Does it I, I hear what you're saying that in the grand scheme of things, they still had a chance. Now they don't have a chance. Right? But my counter to that is going to be, look, the, the Cowboys are judged by one thing this year. It's what they do in the playoffs. And whether, exactly. or, not they, whether or not they beat the Jags, you know, they were still going to have to pay, play whoever wins the NFC South in the first round of the playoffs. Uh, Mike McCarthy Carthy will still get fired in my mind if they don't win that football game, uh, no matter what happened against the Jacks. So this, that's why, for me, this was just sort of a game, but I, I'm not worried about the result. Well, uh, see, I, don't, I, just, I just can't sit here and say that it was a game, especially when the Dallas Cowboys had a 17-point lead in that ball game. And the thing for me is that, and Michael Irvin said this, you know, last year, I think it was after the Cowboys lost the playoff game at home to the San Francisco 49ers. Star players for the Dallas Cowboys in certain moments have to show up and play like star players. And yesterday was an example of that. You look at a situation where the Dallas Cowboys had an opportunity to, they got the football back with a minute and 28 seconds to go, right? So if I'm looking at a guy like CD Lamb, if I'm looking like a, a guy, a quarterback named Dak Prescott, you know, Tony Pollard, Ezekiel Elliott, I'm saying to myself, okay, we're running our four minute offense. All we need to do is get one first down. Right, they ran the football twice, right? They tried to pass the ball on third and ten. And now I gotta get on Kellen Moore because Kellen Moore and Dak Prescott decided to throw a go route on third and ten, which is not, which is not a high percentage throw, first of all, in my eyes. So I don't even know why you're going there to try to gain the first down on the go route. I, I get it, you're trying to go give your guy a chance. And I think he also tried to throw the football to Noah Brown. Now, we're gonna get to Noah Brown a little bit later. <laughs> Because I'm going to get on his ass for what he did in overtime. But this is a simple fact that, and then you look at that defense, right? Remember, I brought up star players playing like stars in certain moments. They had an opportunity to stop Trevor Lawrence. Granted, they got him to fumble the, the previous possession. But you have an opportunity, a second-year quarterback, 
that that just has a, a, a got a head coach that came in this year and got a lot of free agents came in. You have rookies all over the field and whatnot and young players. They had an opportunity to stop Trevor Lawrence from going down and putting this team in a position to kick the uh, game time field goal to send it in overtime. They didn't do that. So the stars need to play like star players when it comes to the Dallas Cowboys. So uh, he's Harry Douglas. I'm Jason Fitz. It's Fitz and Douglas in on on uh, Fitz and Douglas. It's Fitz and Harry, and I'm Barton Hahn. I'm looking at Barton Hahn next to me. Um, Harry, I I love what you're saying about the way they lost. Right? I think that's to me the loss doesn't matter. The way they lost though could be significant. And this is one of those weird things. I feel like for teams that live and die by the pass rush, and I'm, I'm sort of putting the Cowboys in that situation, right? Like they live and die by getting after the passer. When you have that game where you just can't get after the passer, you're done. You're fried. And we see this all the time this year that teams that have a good pass rush and that pass rush doesn't show up, it feels like they give up huge amounts of points because now you're, you're suddenly exposing a secondary. So maybe that's part of the problem. I, on paper, the Cowboys are incredibly talented. On, you know, the actual results that we're seeing, you're right. It hasn't lived up to it. That being said, I'm not putting this particular loss on Dak, are you? No, I'm not putting this loss on Dak because of the simple fact we got to remember that the Dallas Cowboys, and they do lean on that pass rush and creating turnovers. They created three in this ballgame. The only difference is that, that they had two, no, two turnovers, and the Jacksonville Jaguars scored 14 points off of their turnovers, and the Dallas Cowboys only scored 10 off of theirs. Now, Dak Prescott, since coming back and playing on this entire season, right, 14 touchdowns to 11 interceptions. You, a lot of people look at that stats, those stats. If you didn't see the name, you'll say horrible. But Dak Prescott hasn't always played horrible. Now, also within those interceptions, you have guys dropping balls. And the reason why I bring that up, because Noah Brown, this is when I have to get on you, my man. That play in overtime, your job is to catch the ball as a wide receiver. Dak Prescott put that ball right in your numbers. And that interception is going to go on Dak, but that's not Dak's problem. That's not Dak's fault. He delivered that football to his wide receiver that he trusted. And why you're even going to Noah Brown in that situation, I don't know why the hell would you do it because you have C.D. Lamb. Because I'm not going to anybody else in that situation but C.D. Lamb. But let bygones be bygones. He decided to go to Noah Brown. But Noah Brown gave the Jacksonville Jaguars a gift. And shout out to Rashawn Jenkins for taking it to six in the house and ending the game in overtime. So I got to ask my, my guy Harry Douglas. And for anyone that doesn't know, uh, Harry not only had an incredible career at Louisville, where you are a Louisville Hall of Famer, uh, but also 10 years in the NFL. I mean, I mean my guy uh, dominated in the NFL. So let me ask you, dominating wide receiver, why can we not <laughs> make drops a wide receiver category? Like, in, in Major League Baseball, they'll turn around and they'll be like, no, that's an error. That doesn't count as a hit. I want to see drops added as a category that doesn't count as a an attempt or completion, doesn't count at all for the quarterback. It's like the play never happened for the quarterback. If it is ruled by, let's say we're going to make Harry Douglas the, the czar of this stat, and like have a former wide receiver that's looking at all of that and going like, like they do in baseball and be like, nope, that's on the receiver. Because I think we would get a much better sense of actual quarterback numbers if we were able to better account for when receivers let their quarterbacks down. Well, no, I agree with you 100%. Whoa, and yeah. Like they, they, they keep, they keep tally of the drops, but when it comes to drops for touchdowns or whatnot, uh, that turns into interceptions, they count that towards the quarterback. Now, and I can mention, I had one against the San Francisco 49ers, the last play ever at Candlestick Park, right? It's a run play call, but we all supposed to run like little now, uh, little, little dart routes, right? Just in case, you know, the numbers say Matt Ryan to throw the ball to the receiver. I happened to run my little dart. And, you know, uh, I kind of dropped the ball and it went for an interception back the other way. And that's that's how I would be remembered at damn Candlestick Park. They call it the pick damn six. And, yes, I was a part of it because I dropped the ball. Oh, but if, my God. But I here's didn't the know thing. that. I, I remember I, that play if, and I didn't if, know that. If I catch a damn football, 
All we needed, I think, was a field goal to tie the game and a touchdown to possibly win the game. I was like, oh, my goodness. This is just something about the San Francisco 49ers. I can't stand them. You, well, you are still great to me. Uh, the Cowboys not still great to Ryan Clark. ESPN NFL analyst on GetUp said this about their regression. I think we're confusing the athleticism now. Dak Prescott is no longer that quarterback. When Dak Prescott gets That's out of the pocket, it, 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 it's it's not Justin Fields, which it, it never was, but it's not Jalen Hurts. He's not one of these. He's not Josh Allen. And so getting out of the pocket for Dak Prescott is to create opportunities to throw the ball down the field. This, as a, as a team, the Dallas Cowboys right now aren't as good as we hoped they'd be I, when they went on a 4-1 and one run with Cooper Rush. Can I just – I, I mean – but that, but what did you just say there? Harry? As a team, like I, I, I'm gonna keep saying this till I'm blue in the face. At the at the end of the year, we'll, we'll see if we can get Orlovsky to come on and back this up at some point. A couple of months ago, I'm sitting in the calf at ESPN, right? And and Dan's walking by. It's early in the season. We, we were all sort of wrong at that time about a lot of teams. And I was like, hey, question, you know? And Dan's like, what's up? I was like, Dan, why are we wrong about so many teams this year? And his answer, without hesitation, like that immediate answer, he said. We spend too much time obsessing about the quarterbacks instead of realizing football's a 53-man game. And, like, that was his simple – and then he just walked out. Like, he laid that mic drop and then just walked off. And I was like, oh, yeah, you know what? The, the, the Cowboys are not who we thought they would be when they were 4-1 with Cooper Rush. But they were really executing well with Cooper Rush. They were calling a better, more balanced game plan with Cooper Rush. Like, all of these things that we asked at the end of Cooper Rush, like, that wasn't because of Cooper Rush. That's because of everybody else. Like, and I don't th- – yes, the, the turnovers are a problem for Dallas. And, and I think Dak will get that figured out. It also feels like it's just kind of one of those years. No. Nah, I'm not going to say that the team is regressed. I'm not going to say that Dak can't be that guy. Well, and the thing is, and, and where does a Dak Prescott show up? It show up last week against the Houston Texans when you're on your two-yard line and you need a 98-yard drive to go down and get a touchdown uh, to win the game, and that's what he was able to do, right? I, there's nothing to my name that I can bet to say Cooper Rush would have led a, a 98-yard drive for the Dallas Cowboys to win that game in that situation last week. So for Dak Prescott, when it comes to those moments, that's when you want a Dak Prescott. Now, I will say this, because Dak Prescott has 11 interceptions and 14 touchdowns on the year. He has to take care of the football. I don't care how he has to do it. And what really was mind-boggling to me a few weeks ago when he went into the, uh, his post-game interview and was like, yeah, we're having communication problems. Well, you're the quarterback, my man. That's on you. Get your group together. Get your guys together. Get everyone on the same page. That's your job, Dak Prescott, as a quarterback of a team, as a leader of the Dallas Cowboys. So one thing we're going to be in this show, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, we're going to be interactive and we're going to build a community with you guys. We want you guys to be interactive with us on Twitter. You can hit us up on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed at Jason Fitz at HDouglas83. That's how you do that. We're also going to let you guys take the show over when you have great calls. And I've just been informed that the phone lines are stacked. 888-SAY-ESPN-888-729-3776. The lines are full. You guys can keep trying to get in. We're going to get some of your takes from this weekend. Plus, one team that is absolutely melting their way out of the playoffs that nobody's paying attention to. I'll tell you who it is next. Barton Hahn, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz in for the guys on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg. And ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. 
It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Bart and Han. Oh, man, it's a victory Monday for me. I don't really care about the rest of y'all. Uh, I'm just having that kind of day. Woohoo! I'm Jason Fitz hanging out with Harry Douglas. We're in Barton Hahn, ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Fitz and Harry starts January 3rd in this time slot. So this is like a little sneak peek, having a little fun. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Uh, and you guys have lit up the phone lines. I'll be honest, y'all. Like, I keep saying I'll be honest. Uh, I don't know, like, what else that would be. But, you know, we, we had some technical difficulties starting off. I didn't think there was anybody holding. And all of a sudden, Devin, producer extraordinaire, says, hey, man, the phone lines are jacked. So we'll get to a team that's melting their way out of the playoffs. But, <laughs> but AC, uh, like, one thing that's important to us uh, harry i know it's important to you it's important to us we want to create a community here right that's right and i love hearing from the people especially because everyone has different opinions and i love to see where callers and and listeners and viewers if you're watching where they're coming from right because everyone has an opinion and you're entitled to your own opinion so we like to hear from y'all so when we open up the phone lines we want to hear your voices right fitz triple eight say espn 888-729-3776 here's the only rule don't ask me how we're doing we're doing great we're going to presume you're doing great that way we can get more people in you good with that harry like uh, yeah. let's hey, go hey harry Harry, how you doing? I'm doing fine. Stop uh, asking me. You know what? I'm doing great, too. Okay. I'm going <laughs> to presume Justin in Jersey's doing great, too. Justin, what you got? Thanks for calling the show, man. Good, good. So I'm calling about the controversial call last night in the Commanders-Giants game. Mm-hmm. So, I watched, so I watched the game, and on clear television, I saw that McLaurin was not lined up on the line of scrimmage. Personally, in my opinion, I don't think it's up to the official to allow – and let the wide receiver know. That may not be a popular opinion, especially because you know Harry did play wide receiver in the league. Um, but at the same time, uh, referees don't give the defensive player who's lined up in the neutral zone the benefit of the doubt and say, hey, back up two steps. So, you know, that's just my opinion when it comes to that. And also, at the end of the day, everyone's like, oh, the Giants would have lost the game. We don't know because we don't know what happened with what happened with that two-point conversion. So, that's just my opinion. Thanks for the call. No, Justin, that's this a great really call, good. by the way. That two point, like, two-point conversions are not a given, and I love the way we just presumed that that would happen. But, HD, you're the wide receiver in the room. Is yep. it the ref's job to help him there? Well, it's, it's he's right on two different things, right? Number one... No, technically it's not the referee's job, but, uh, for years and years and years, like you could line up on the ball outside, uh, out wide and you're asked the ref, am I good? And he may tell you, hey, sl- slide up some or scoot back some, right? That's just natural communication between wide receiver and the referee. On the other side of it, I do agree with him. And I had a coach tell me this, well, I p- I playing 10 years in the National Football League. If I got to coach a damn receiver to be on and off the ball, we're in a world of trouble. And that was, <laughs> no, seriously. That's amazing. Uh, 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 at the National Football League, the coach should not be coaching a wide receiver, especially Terry McLaurin, on and off the football. And from what I seen originally, he was not on the football. But he did have that communication and that one-on-one with the referee and the referee telling him to line up on the ball. And once the referee told him to line up, uh, slide up some more, once Terry McLaurin, 
McLaurin slid up, he should not have threw the flag. So there's some there, there's both sides of it, and you're not right, you're not wrong. I just think there's all kind of moving parts to it, though. Yeah, and I said this earlier. They got those big satellite dish, dishes on the sideline. They've got the audio. If the if the ref told him, "Hey, you're good," as it seems, he should have been good. Then right, and they'll find that and they'll talk to the ref about it. So I think that's that's another part. But I love what Justin was just saying, and I don't want to cram anybody in before we get out of here. So we're going to keep taking your calls. Triple eight, say ESPN eight 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 seven two nine three seven seven six. Give us your best reaction from anything you saw over the course of the weekend. We'll take it. We'll debate it. We're going to have a little sports bar community conversation here. But I, I will say this. The, the concept that the Giants would have lost that game presumes that the Washington Commanders would have scored a touchdown, would have then scored a two-point conversion, and it also presumes that overtime would have gone their way. Like, there's so many leaps that happen in there. It's never one play. And I've lived through enough weird endings. Like, the, the Raiders didn't beat the Patriots because of that one play. That is the play that sealed it, but there were plenty of other plays in that football game. That's just the way the NFL works, and exactly. we all know it. So uh, we'll keep getting your thoughts. Triple eight, say ESPN, 888-729-3776. But what would a former NFL GM do when it comes to the contracts of Barkley and Jones with the way the Giants are playing? We'll ask him next. Barton Hahn on ESPN Radio. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, in for the guys. Thanks for listening to the Barton Hahn Podcast. You can listen to the guys live weekdays at noon Eastern on ESPN Radio. Plus, you can listen and watch the guys on the ESPN app. This is the Barton Hahn Podcast.